Todd Rundgren, like you've never seen or heard him before. Todd Rundgren, accompanied by the Rockford Symphony Orchestra, on June 1st and 2nd at the historic Coronado Performing Arts Center in Rockford, Illinois. These are Rundgren's first ever symphonic shows in North America and well worth the trip to Rockford. Hear him sing, Hello, It's Me, We Gotta Get You a Woman, I Saw the Light, Can We Still Be Friends, and more. Tickets available at coronadopac.org or by calling 815-968-0595. tonight and then listening to that good interview with uh, Pete Fornatale. Yes, tonight's show is dedicated in memory and honor of Pete Fornatale, a great DJ that many of you know about already. And if you have never heard the interview that he did with Todd during the Liars phase, it's one of the best. I remember, as a matter of fact, uh, the first time I heard it, I was trying to find out a little bit more about what Todd was all about, some of his philosophy and why he was... um, you know, angry and sometimes funny on the Liars album. He did yeah. kind of share that interview with me, and, uh, and I found it online as well and listened to it several times. It's real good. He passed away, unfortunately, at age of 66 last week, Thursday, and he yeah. was, of course, a camp counselor for Todd's musical survival camp last uh, year. Yeah, so and several of the, the listeners uh, may have actually gotten to meet him. Yes, the... Um, we did a panel and was at camp for a day, I think, maybe two. And uh, we also had him as a special guest during our camp counselor series last year when uh, David German was our guest host. We appreciate that from David. We were somewhere, maybe Todd Ealing to a prison mail. Do you remember? I really don't, but I I, I think we were out of town somehow, probably at well, a we show. <laughs> so, um, but also sorry for the rush tonight on the show, but we wanted to get this out as soon as possible and also – we do have some scoop tonight, and, uh, of course, it will be online soon, but uh, we've got the dates, the entire tour for Todd and Ethel, mm-hmm. and then we'll have some, you know, typical announcements and conversation following this interview. It's about an hour, and it's got some music in it, some really good Todd live stuff. You're really going to like it. I'm very confident of that, um, and you're going to like Pete's interview style. He's just a really good interviewer, and he was a great disc jockey, brought in new music like Todd's into the world to uh, educate people on some different music besides the standard radio mess. Uh-huh. So, Cruiser Mel, what are the Apple dates? Why don't you give us those, and we'll start this interview, and we'll catch you all after that's over. And thanks for listening to Rugged Radio. Okay. Here's the latest and greatest, hot off the presses or the email, actually. Uh, the tour is going to start October 17th in Gainesville, Florida, October 19th, New London, Connecticut, October 20th, New Bedford, Massachusetts. October 21st, Mawad, New Jersey. October 23rd, 
Keene, New Hampshire, October 24th, scroll down, uh, Newark, Ohio, says there's an afternoon workshop at Denison University there. On the 26th, he's going to be at Clues Hall in Indianapolis. That's where we uh, we took Todd there before, so he's familiar with the place. October 28th, College Park, Maryland. October 30th, Hampton, Virginia. November 1st, Cerritos, California. And ending up November 3rd at UC Davis, California. So there you have it. There's your scoop for tonight. And I think we're just going to move on into the interview. So you guys enjoy. And we'll see you in about an hour. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Mixed Bag Radio. This is Pete Fornichal at the Gibson Baldwin Showroom in New York City with my special guest today, Todd Rundgren.
Todd Rundgren and a live version of I Saw the Light. That was one of the big hits from the Something Anything collection in the 70s. Is a song like that, Todd, a blessing, a curse, or both? Well, that particular song uh, uh, is not too accursed uh, <laughs> in the relative pantheon of, of my material. Hello, it's me. It's been more of a burden. Uh, simply because it's more difficult for me to perform. Um, but I suppose uh, the thing about I Saw the Light has, uh, the reason why it served me well is because of its flexibility. It's got a plastic nature to it in some sense. It started out as a pop song, but been able to do it as a uh, as a bossa nova tune more recently when I did the sort of rearrangements of a lot of material. To keep it interesting for yourself? Uh, yeah, it seemed to fly just as well as a bossa nova tune. And then there was some guy named Hank Ketchum who did a country version of it mm-hmm. that actually uh, remunerated me quite well from the publishing <laughs> standpoint. So it has... Uh, it hasn't been that much of a burden. It's a very simple song. I wrote it in about 20 minutes. It right. Is, that's one of those ones that just came like a flash. Well, it is boneheadedly simple. You know, <laughs> it isn't, there's nothing really complicated about the song. It was more a process of me, you know, getting out of the way and letting it just sort of write itself. Um, it You could say that it also contributed to my um, dissatisfaction with the with a formulaic way of writing songs that was starting to creep into my composition. So the album that came after something, anything, A Wizard of True Star, contained nothing at all that sounded like I saw the light right, of it. Right, right, right. So it, it, the simplicity or the ease with which it was written uh, is satisfying in one sense and it's troublesome in another sense you know, because you don't want the material to be thoughtless. You know, let's talk specifically about the uh, process that you applied to the to the new recording, the one called Liars. Um, in terms of the writing, are are you prolific? Do you? Uh, I mean, this is your first studio work, and well, it was the first all new studio album in about ten years. Yeah, and now it's getting on to like two years since I started the record. Uh-huh. So there's. You know, the next eon has begun. Um, And I had been recording in between, but I hadn't been uh, doing essentially the kind of concept albums that most of my records represented up until the early 90s. I started to think in other ways about music and maybe trying to adopt a retro methodology wherein you thought of records just in terms of single songs. You know, Mm -hmm. you would... do a song, write and record the whole song before you moved on to the next song, which is the way things were in the early days of recording. Right. An album was an accumulation of singles. Correct. Um, and that was an interesting exercise, but in the end I realized it was not the way that I do my best work. The way I do my best work is to isolate myself for necessary amount of time until the... Um, the noise of everyday life abates, and I can start to hear what I really think, mm-hmm. and then try and um, capture that musically. And also, I don't uh, write in a conventional manner. I write sort of backwards, so. to the way most people write music, 
most people come up with a lyric idea and then try and set it to music and then eventually fill out the uh, arrangement and then record it. But I've been using the recording studio as a tool for so long that when I go to record something, I start in the studio. Mm -hmm. I go into the studio, I set up my computer and my other gear, and I start working out musical ideas that eventually become full arrangements, um, if not already recorded, ready to record. And I don't start to write the words and the melodies until that's all done. So I have complete tracks before I even start singing. And I write the lyrics uh, usually immediately before I sing them. Um, and that process is probably the least time-consuming, but it's a result of a sort of um, pregnancy, I guess. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to write about and have uh, turned the subject over in my head, um, cooked it thoroughly on all sides, and then uh, I go into the studio with the expectation that I am just going to birth this mm -hmm. in a relatively short amount of time. Um, that I have thought about it all that I can possibly think about it, and that that's built up a sort of potential that will come out in, in a short period of time, and that's usually what happens. I'll write out a verse or a chorus, I'll sing it, um, then I'll write out the next verse and the chorus and sing that, you know, or I'll write out the chorus, sing all the choruses, and then work on the verses. But uh, completely opposite of the way most people work. You know, they'll come in and have a song and then worry about how to play it. I've got the song already played. I have to worry about how to sing it afterwards. There is something uh, almost akin to a mission statement that you included in the liner notes for the record, Todd. I'm going to read it for our uh, listeners. All of these songs are about a paucity of truth. At first, they may seem to be about other things, but that is just a reflection of how much dishonesty we have accepted in our daily lives. We are raised from birth to believe things that cannot be proven or that are plainly not true. People will often brag of their honesty when there is so much they have simply chosen to ignore or leave unexamined. The fact is we are terrified of the truth. Why are we terrified of the truth, Tom? Well, because it contains things that we have gone to some trouble to either hide or dress up or or turn into some other um, sort of expression because the you know the reality of them is too harsh for us to face the greatest possibility for instance about what happens to you after death is that you die you know <laughs> it's essentially you're dead and nothing happens that's the most plausible thing yes that could happen but that's, you know, that is the most horrifying. Oblivion seems to be the most horrifying thing to contemplate for most people, you know. And so that's why they have all manner of beliefs uh, contradictory in many cases about what would happen after you, after you died. And that's a fairly large looming thing because we all know we're going to die. So it's something that you could say is a, is a great font of, of untruth. Because all of the things that people believe can't all be true. Right, and also a subject that is so horrifying to people that they don't generally uh, write about it or sing about it. Exactly. You know, it's uh, it, it's 
it's hard enough to think about, let alone dwell on, you know, to, to try and unravel some of the mystery that's in it. Under this umbrella of truth mm-hmm. that uh, the album is wrapped in, there does seem to be a thread of spirituality, for lack of a better word, running through some of the songs. In some instances, very critical. Mm-hmm. In other instances, not so. Uh, were you ra- a were you raised in any particular faith? B do you buy into any notion of spirituality? What is your current? Uh, well, if you could say I was raised Presbyterian, which means not raised at all. You know, <laughs> Presbyterian <laughs> is when your parents just want to send you to church so you'll be out of the house Sunday morning <laughs> and they can get some freaking sleep. So in that sense, you know, by the time I was a teenager, I was not attached to any particular church. I was. I was in the Boy Scouts, and they had this whole God and country thing, so you had to go to church. It was, whether you wanted to or not, you had to. Mm-hmm. And I met some wonderful people within that you know, particular context, very sincere and stuff like that. But in the end, uh, uh, the dependence on, um, on what I consider a political document, the Bible, um, it just it didn't have any weight with me any longer. I started to have questions that were not sufficiently answered. And uh, some of that may have had to do with psychedelic drugs. Mm-hmm. but <laughs> mm-hmm. Very possible. <coughs> uh, Todd, God Speaks on this album. Uh, I'm wondering what your current thoughts are about God or a God. Well, I, um, you could say that I am an ambivalent. Uh, I first of all believe that if you... Uh, that if you hold in your mind some concept of of a god or a cre- or a motive uh force of some kind a causality causality um that your obligation is not to have somebody else explain it to you but to go out and f- and figure out what it is on your own terms and this is to me what's wrong with most religion is that people have it's it's simply uh, something that satisfies a need. Spoon fed. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know people don't want to address the thorny questions of like, well, I believe God is love, so how come I'm not love? You know, or I believe God is vengeance. You know, so I'm going to be vengeance. You know, and things like that. It's almost always a projection of what we are. We we imagine we created God in our own image. Right. You know, if we live in a vengeful society, we believe that God has vengeance on his mind. You know, if we live in a in a kindly society, we be, believe that God is kind. It's simply a reflection of us. This, again, gets into one of those, you know, aspects of truth, whereas if people could look full in the face of God, it would be so disturbing to them, you know, that they, you know, that everything they previously believed would be shattered and it might descend into madness. Mm-hmm. And that's, I believe, the way it is for most people. They'd rather have, like, a, you know, a greeting card kind of God than possibly the real God that that um, would embody the worst thing that they can imagine, which is that God doesn't care about them personally, you know, and that all their praying in the world won't make any difference because God is busy running a much larger thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> than you, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and the point is... It's all up to you, you know. None of it is up to God, you know. God, the Creator, or whatever. He just made it all. It's all there. It runs perfectly. 
Now you figure it out, you know? <laughs> I think the words you attribute to God in one of the songs on the album is, get over yourself. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. It's, you know, it's, God is, is 99.99% of the time just a projection completely limited by your understanding. You know, if you don't understand the concept of, of a completely selfless love, and most people don't, you know, all of the all of the love that they feel is usually it, it requires to be requited. You know, it, it needs yeah. to be returned somehow for them for them to continue to feel it. And um, and so in that sense, you know, the the love that they attribute to their savior or whatever it is, they never make an attempt to approach. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. never, you know, uh, they never become the thing that they worship. For me, I I look at God this way. If he's there, he's there, you know. He's not there, he's not there. I have a feeling there's something there, but you know, it's going to be up to me to try and comprehend it. It's not going to come to me and say, "I am the girl, la 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 la," you know, <laughs> and only in terms that I can understand, you know. It's going to I will have to try and become that thing to the degree that it's manifest in humanity. And that's the way I express my religion, is to become God to the degree that I understand it, because that is what I believe is asked of me. <laughs> and that my purpose on this earth is service to others. But it is not proscribed somewhere so that I could just, like, check it off, you right. know, follow the manual. I have to figure out how to accomplish that. And... And that is serving my purpose. It is not, you know, kowtowing or showing up at mass or doing the necessary penance or whipping myself with chains or any of that other stuff. It's a constant, active thing that I have to that I have to labor at and and elevate to a degree of importance in my everyday life. And in that sense, you know, I don't go to church. I don't pray. I don't do any of the things that people would attribute to a pious person. But I am constantly aware uh, of the fact that there is a, a giant sort of structure to things mm -hmm. that reflects an intelligence to sure. it, at least on, in human standards, and, and that my obligation is, as long as I have the consciousness to do it, to further understand that and align myself to that plan, that larger plan, whatever that is. Two thoughts based on what you've just been saying. Uh, one is unconditional love is a bitch. Certainly is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and the other is as, as someone who was raised with the notion of a finger pointing, punishing mm -hmm. God, you know, I, I thought one of the great, um, and you can find comfort in these things, I thought one of the great images that was communicated to me that has just put all of that aside is the notion of God as an infinite ocean of mercy. I like that. I I like that, but it's just pretty words unless we become that. Unless we become that infinite ocean of mercy, then it is just words. I agree. Uh, listen, this is the stuff of this album, which is why I say uh, I think it it easily falls in the category of uh, important records of the last couple of years. Uh, we talked a, a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm going to let our listeners discover for themselves the rest of what God says on, uh, <laughs> okay. on Liars. But uh, you've touched upon the notion of uh, afterlife. Why don't we play it from the CD? And uh, well, Why don't you tell me first just a little microcosm of where it came from? Well, I, I guess the, the germ of that particular song was the 
you know, was the Gaza marriage, you know, where the Jew and the Arab get married. Two people who believe completely different things about what's going to happen in life and after life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what's going through people's heads? You know, you never know what's in the mind of the of the person that you think you are, you know, fated to be with for eternity. You don't know what they actually believe. You don't know that they might have a crisis of consciousness that would be adjudged by their, you know, by St. Peter as being failing, and then you go to hell, you know, because you were only pretending, you know, or whatever. And what happens then, you know, to those people where one is in the Muslim heaven and one is in the Jewish heaven or, or whatever, and they are destined never to see each other again? Does that mean that their love on this earth was just a, a complete illusion, a fabrication? When most of us believe that that is the whole point of existence, is, is, is to discover that thing somehow in this life. And it made the whole you know, idea of what happens to you after you die seem more ludicrous. You know, it's, how could that possibly happen? How could you be happy in heaven if the person you love most was not there with you? Right. So why would you want to be in heaven? <laughs> it wouldn't be heaven. You know, it would be hell. Let's listen to Afterlife on Mixed Bag Radio.
That's Afterlife from the Liars CD by Todd Rundgren. Pete Fornatel on Mixed Bag Radio. I'll have more with Todd in just one minute. Pornitel back with you on Mixed Bag Radio with my special guest today, Todd Rundgren. Todd, this is the uh, this is your life portion of the program. Um, I will never forget. You know how these things get uh, stenciled in your brain. I will never forget going to a concert at the Forest Hills Tennis Stadium. Ah, yes. In Queens, New York, 1968. Headliners, the Bee Gees, in their first wave of American success. Mm-hmm. Second act, Spanky and our gang. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sundays will never be the same. Sunday will never be the same. And opening that show, the Naz. Yeah, we must have done all the 20 minutes or something. (laughs) You know what? It was raining that night. Oh, everything was bad. It was great. There was all sorts of altercations backstage because... Um, because Robert Stigwood doesn't want anybody coming off better than the Bee Gees, so apparently they were farting around with our stage set up, and the mixing was all out and stuff like that. I remember we had brand new costumes, a new costumer made them. You know, they were all velveteen and and stuff. And it was a uh, well, like so many of the Nas gigs, it was just, it was a it was a mixed bag. Let's say you know we were uh, we weren't sure afterwards what we had done. Uh, and uh, and whether it had accomplished anything in terms of our goals, um, it was a funny period. The Nas. It was. See, I had an experience that few people in the music business uh, could claim to have had, and it changed my whole attitude very early on. Which was? Well, the Nas was discovered. You know, we were just a local Philadelphia band, and we figured we'd work our way up the you know normal way. But we just we kind of got discovered, brought to New York. Signed to like one of the most expensive record contracts at the time. They Screen Gems in Columbia, who actually had Cold Gems records that the Monkees were on. Right. Uh, the Atlantic was the distributor, and Screen Gems Columbia Publishing uh, essentially owned the material. And so we didn't want to be on the same label as the Monkees, so they actually formed another label just for us, SGC Screen Gems Columbia. Then we were the only ones on the label, and so. Uh, after two records, the label disappeared as well. Um, and uh, it was just a curious kind of, you know, too too much too soon, really fast. We went everywhere. You know, we were brought to New York City. We went everywhere in limousines. We would get our hair done at Bendel's after hours in 16 Magazine. would do a big photo shoot of it. And... Um, 
and we would have like discrete little showcases here and there to you know get a producer or you know or for uh, the record deal or whatever. We got a huge advance for the record deal, which evaporated in a relatively <laughs> short amount of time, and hardly ever played anywhere. It was the philosophy of our manager that um, that if we played too much, you know that that we would uh, that we'd reduce our demand. So that we should just play very select dates here and there. So the band just we wound up sitting around our house in Great Neck that was rented for us, just getting more and more PO'd at each other. <laughs> and it was like 18 months after the band started, I was gone. I'd quit after having gone through just like every weird showbiz thing, and you know, flying into Texas and having a local promoter meet you with uh, you know with like four hookers. <laughs> you know, and you know, I was still like 19 at the time. I was 18 or 19 years old. So by the time I got through with that, I was just completely fed up with being in a band, um, with traveling on the road and what that involved. So I decided I wanted to be a record producer. I had been doing most of the production of the Nas records by the end. So I went directly from the Nas into like a studio career. Uh, was Grossman, Albert Grossman, your mentor into that world? Um, that was my uh, key into it. The, the co-manager, his name was Michael Friedman of the uh, of the original management company that uh, brought us from Philadelphia to New York. He left and he went to work for Albert Grossman and had a mandate to go find new talent of various kinds and bring it into the company. So when he heard that the NAS had broken up and I was essentially on the street like I was living with clothing designers and designing lights for discotheques and things like that <laughs> just kind of keeping busy asked me if I would like to come in and and be a house producer house engineer and house producer at the Grossman organization that's how I started out as a, a NAS fan from that show at Forest Hills that I mentioned earlier uh, it was Lovely to start seeing your name appear on the backs of albums of people that we were playing on FM at the time, like Jesse Winchester, mm -hmm. that record. Uh, certainly the band has been part Stage of Stage Fright, yeah, that was kind of like my big break, I guess, with yeah. the Stage Fright right there. But did you have some ambivalence about producer versus performer and what brought you back in, you know, Al Pacino? Every time I try to get out, of there. yeah, I know. Well, it was a uh, it was an accident, really. I was I wanted to do a producer's record. I had uh, been working for about a year and a half or so, doing just about everybody in the stable. Uh, of course, I was working with James Cotton, Ian and Sylvia, of course, the band and Jesse Winchester and a number of other artists that needed to be uh, updated. I guess need to be brought into the into a more modern um, realm of recording. And I started to have musical ideas of my own that I wanted to get down on a record. And so I asked if they would give me a budget to go out to uh, L.A., the studio I was used to using, and just hole up there and, and make a little record, which is what I did. It didn't take a, a terribly long amount of time. And uh, there was a little bit of expense in paying some other musicians, but then I got a bunch of players who I'd, whose records I'd worked on, like guys from the band, and they came in and, and helped out. So, in general, it wasn't a big deal of a record. And a when modest they, success, though. Um. Well, when they heard the record, they were a little bit surprised by the eclectic nature of it, you know, the fact that it had so much different kinds of music on it. But then there was a song on it that they thought they would release to radio called We Gotta Get You a Woman. 
and it turned out to be a fluke hit. Uh, very fluky in a way, because a lot of feminists took it the wrong way, and there was I remember like stations in Boston were getting bomb threats if they played the record, <laughs> which I guess is a good way to you know get attention for it. Um, and so I more or less inadvertently wound up you know having a, a solo career that I didn't really expect to have. I didn't expect I'd be going out performing it, but when it started to get all the radio airplay, it you know, the pressure to go out and, and capitalize on that became kind of great, so I put together some kind of bands and, and went out and played it for a while. Oddly enough, played We Gotta Get You a Woman for maybe the first tour and have never played it since. Wow. Um, but then after that, you know, I started making more records, and then the one after that, The Ballad of Todd Runger, and that really didn't have any hits on it. It had some nice songs. But no hits, and then came something, anything, and that's when the you know the dam broke. Yeah, absolutely, a two-record set, uh, just an explosion of songs and creativity, and you did it all, right? I mean, that was the uh, uh, three sides of it. It was it was two records, and I didn't start out to make a double album, but by the time I had looked at what I had accumulated, it was already already three sides were. So I thought, well, mm. I'll do something a little different for the four side. I'll get all. of um, musicians that I played with over the years, or some that I've admired, and and just do live recordings live in the studio, like the old days, you know, real live sessions. Right. And uh, so nothing is overdubbed on any of those songs on that on that fourth side. One of the songs that you revisited from the Nas days, which we referred to at the uh, top of the program as maybe being more of the curse than the blessing, uh-huh. was uh, "Hello, It's Me." Exactly. And uh, for me, you know, the curse, cursed part is that I have, I have to play it. I have to play one of my hits in any particular show, and if I don't play that, I usually get, "Why didn't you play Hello It's Me?" So, I've had to learn how to play it, but it's the most difficult song for me for some reason. Just you know, to get through the whole thing. For one thing, it's got a half step modulation in it. And I'm not a piano player, so when I suddenly go from the white keys to the black keys. I'm really lost. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's followed me around for you know a good long time, and imagine that uh, it'll be played at my funeral. I uh, I wish I could be above the fray and uh, not give in to the temptation. But would you do that one for us? Oh, certainly. <laughs> okay. Hello, it's me. Maybe I think too much, but something's wrong There's something here that doesn't last too long Maybe I shouldn't think of you as
That's the uh, current version of Hello, It's Me, a song that has uh, followed him throughout his career, both in the... In the I like the Nas version, too, which was a little... Uh, it's uh, dirge-like. Dirge-like. Yeah. But, I, I still but it was like based more around the, a vi- the vibes, were kind of like the whole sound yeah. was, was actually, uh, for some reason, I heard it on vibes, so learn how to play it on vibes. Uh, I have always admired your sly sense of humor as well, the... Uh, the ad that ran in the trades at the time that we're talking about was the one of you uh, holding a uh, explosive device in your hands yeah. with the caption, Go ahead, ignore me. Yeah. <laughs> I see that's still, uh, that's still around on your website. Well, the funny thing is, overall, is that um, people do assume that this was you know, all a result of some calculation, you know, that each re- progressive record was an attempt to be uh to be accepted or be become quote a commercial artist and they're all a result of just some it's some bizarre thing that's in my head you could say like if you were to compare me to a movie director it would be like David Lynch you know which you look at the movie and you say what the hell is that supposed <laughs> to mean you know but it means something to him you know that you know because he went through a lot of trouble 
to do that. So uh, as time has gone on, you know, the audience that stuck with me realized that this is actually what it's about. It's not suddenly liking a record and then expecting the next one to come out and, and follow up on that success. No, it's just as likely to stick a pinprick in that success mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. doing something completely different. I always thought success was to buy you freedom, was not to buy you more limitations you know, right. in terms of what you'd be able to do. So I've always essentially squandered my success on on trying to uh, move in some new direction and drag the audience with me. Uh, that sly sense of humor that I mentioned earlier is uh, visible on the latest CD, Liars, as well. On the back here, I couldn't help notice, just tucked into the uh, credits, uh, CPU, Apple, trademark, this computer kills fascists. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Which is a nod to Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie. Yeah. Pete Seeger. Exactly. And uh, in that sense, I also have the, um, I think, an element of the social firebrand somewhere in in my music, you know, my expectations of, of people's behavior and, and, uh, and where they invest their energies. And in that sense, you know, I... I feel a kinship to those old, you know, folk singers who used to go around, you know, with the socialist banner, you know, you know, going and and trying to, uh, you know, trying to pep up the spirits of some coal miners on strike and things like that. I consider my music, a, you know, sort of a bottom-up thing. It's not at all elitist to me, mm -hmm. even though I'm trying to constantly learn and incorporate new musical ideas and different ways of expressing the, you know, the lyrical ideas. I still think they're, you know, what I do is meant for the common man. Mm -hmm. And um, and so in that sense, you know, I don't, I feel more of a kinship to someone like a, a Woody Guthrie or Pete Seeger than I do to a Madonna or Prince or anybody like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And that lineage is very, it's still compelling, it's still um, musically historic, socially historic. Well, at some points it becomes necessary, you know, kind of like now, you know, when a, as truth is devalued as a commodity, you know, you need people whose only interest is is truth, whose only commodity is truth. And uh, and when, you know, materialism seems to be the uh, earmark of our culture as opposed to what we used to see ourselves as, as the big helping hand up in the world, you know, uh, to bring us our, your, your weak, your downtrodden, and all that other stuff. Right. Now it's bring us your investment dollars, you know, <laughs> bring us your... Uh, and we will get moved offshore to your you know, tax haven. <laughs> I'm, I'm having much too good a time talking to you. we got to make a choice, Todd, between I want to tie you down or uh, Song of the Viking. What's your choice? Well, let's play Song of the Vikings and, get, and, and leave on a high note. You know, I don't want to tie you down. It's just a little dour. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we, we do have another segment, which we will try and rifle through. But to end this one, let's hear a, a live version. A song of the Vikings. Try this one more time. Oh. Let's compose ourselves now. 
I am a Viking of some note, Snoop's my name, and here I float. Out on the sea in a great big boat, and I'm the one who beats the drum inside. To soak the oars that drive our galleons on. And when we rode, we had our song, and we had our gun, and it may seem old, but at least there was a thought on wind, and we up the sail. Lost two ships when it turned to a gale. Though in a third, which you ran on a whale. Though it is made, we could not bear it through it. Oh, we never faltered. Late at night, I lay on deck, wondering why I risked my neck. Picture myself in a sinking wreck, and now I'm going, not knowing why. I just can't quite recall the reason why. It's such a drag to carry on. But the was a cause, the was a cause, so the was a and Song of the Viking on Mixed Bag Radio. More with Todd after this. Pete Pornatel back with you on Mixed Bag Radio with my guest today, and we're working him hard, uh, Todd Rundgren. Todd, it's a very different uh, business than when you started and a very different kind of radio today. Yeah, the whole dynamic is completely different, but you know that's what makes the Internet exciting in that it's, it destroys uh, previous rules and models, and uh, and it's really amusing, hysterically so sometimes, to watch how the music industry responds to it, like by suing their own customers, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things like that. It's it's just it's astounding how little understanding they have of the product that they make. Uh, unfortunately, our time has run out on us. We haven't even gotten to uh, interactive. Cable. We haven't gotten to your role in the video revolution or now the uh, Internet. We should mention uh, Patronet. Well, Patronet, yeah, is my experiment in um, in new models for um, for music. I, I see music as, or, or the way that people participate in music, the audience participates in music in two different ways. One is in that consumer sort of model where they, people like music, they like a variety of music, like a variety of artists, or maybe a style of music, and so they want to listen to that and, and pay the fees necessary to do that and support that. But then there will always be particular artists that you are interested in what they do and want to ensure that they can continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And so Patronet represents that sort of direct commitment to a particular artist a way that you can lend support to that artist so that they will be enabled to be able to continue to make music and have their career go on. Best way for our listeners to find out more about Patronet.com. There you go. Uh, I know that you, at your core, 
think of music uh, as a healing, uh, as a way of healing. Uh, uh, That's part of what it can do, you know, healing, education, and... uh, and uh, unification, you know, the, one of the unique and least understood things about music is how it gets, blocks people's brain waves together, you mm-hmm. know, that beat and all that other stuff, but how you can, you know, take people and without actually describing or speaking what, what you want them to feel, somehow get them to feel that. And uh, Another thing it can do is encourage compassion. Um, well, you would certainly hope that you wouldn't have to resort to music to get people, you know, to have a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of love and respect for each other. Um, and, yeah, and every once in a while you have to resort to music to try and get people to refocus. So. I think we're going to resort to it right now. Okay. Would you do uh, Compassion?
That was Pete Fornatel, Todd Runner from Mixed Bag. Rest in peace, Pete Fornatel, 66 years old, passed away last Thursday. And Cruiser Mel, let's play a little bit of Pete and David German when Pete was on Rungan Radio. And then we'll come certainly. back with other surprises. What do you say? Yeah, certainly. All right, this is just about two and a half minutes. This is uh, David German was our guest host. This was June uh, the 12th, 2011, during our camp counselor series. When Todd had his musical survival camp this year, he's doing the revival camp. And this was uh, Pete Pointetel. Now, for those who don't know Pete, Pete is one of the architects of uh, Progressive FM Radio. He's been an award-winning broadcaster, an author of Back to the Garden and Simon and Garfunkel's bookends, and one of the delights of living in the New York area, but also thanks to the Internet, people around the world can listen to his magnificent show, which comes on every Saturday at 4 p.m. on WFUV. That's been a long-running show and uh, just a sheer joy to listen to, and that's Mixed Bag. That, uh, oh, David, you know your stuff, stuff and uh, you know your stuff, and I definitely uh, appreciating your bringing uh, all of that up because that's obviously what led to this honor of being chosen by Todd to participate at the camp. Now, can you talk a little bit more about that panel that you uh, were mentioning about on Monday? Well, you know, I think uh, my, I, my panel is on Tuesday the 21st, right? That's one week from today, uh, between 4 and 6 o'clock. And I think each person uh, coming to the panel will bring some indication of how they have listened to and perhaps even discovered and exposed new music for the first time, whether it's over the airwaves or now uh, over the Internet, uh, satellite radio. Uh, you know, very often I think to myself how much I would have enjoyed this technology uh, 40-some years ago when progressive FM radio really took off, not only uh, not here, not only here in New York, but all across the country. And as you know, Todd was such a big part of that. Uh, and it's just, you know, the guys who can still get out there and get the job done, you know, I put Todd uh, on the top of any list that includes those people. So I'm not surprised at all. He's been an innovator every step of the way. Um, I'm not at all surprised that uh, that he's embraced the new technology and that he's continuing to bring uh, new ideas and great music, uh, great ideas to music, radio and the stage and the Internet and whatever else. All right, Pete, obviously a big fan of Todd Rundgren and definitely big for his career and sharing the music on the radio. He was a big influence for lots of people, including our friend in the chat room, Julie Feldman. And, of course, David German, who got to hear him a lot over there in the New York area. Cruiser Mal, I was listening to that interview, and 
I don't know how I missed it the first few times I've listened, but I've never heard Hal Ketchum's country version of I Saw the Light. Have you? I, I can't say as I have. No, I don't go around listening to a lot of country stations or anything. <laughs> well, we're going to hear it tonight on Rungan Radio. I think that's really exciting. Okay, folks, here we go. This is Hal Ketchum, I Saw the Light, the, the, the cover that Todd mentioned in this interview you just heard with Pete. Here we go. sounding at all. No, he's got a nice voice. He did a good job of singing. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that uh, Todd got a nice little uh, bump in the bank account for <laughs> this guy doing the song. Yep. I don't. I wonder who the uh, female was in there. I heard one for a couple of seconds. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Do you know when, when this was? 
No. Uh, let's see. No, I sure don't. I think it's oh, been a okay. couple of years, though. Well, the interview, interview. Oh, well. Interview was back in the live. Anyway, thanks for sharing that. That was good. Yeah, it had to be six or seven years ago because it was when that interview was a long time ago. Yeah, but it, I mean, that song could have been 15 years before then. Who knows? Possibly, but I don't think so. It was country before country was cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the only thing I know much about country is uh, Blake Shelton is a, a judge on The Voice. He is, indeed. Well, mm-hmm. Allison Krauss is somewhat country, and she did a cover of It Wouldn't Have Made Any Difference, which we should also play on the show sometimes. It's nice. She did a nice job. Yeah. Matter of fact, we should just do an entire show. We've probably already done that, but um, do an entire show of covers, Todd covers. Get EJ to pull them from Hot Toddy's website. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. There surely is, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. All right, well. Do we have any announcements or anything we would like to discuss? Well, I I would like to throw it out there one more time at least because I did get some emails this this past week um, about the bus rides oh. in Rockford from the hotel to the venue or the hotel to a place where we might eat dinner and then to the venue, whatever. Uh, if you're going to the Rockford shows June 1st or June 2nd, hopefully both, uh, and would like to ride on the bus and not have to be behind the wheel of your rental car, perhaps drinking an adult beverage, um, feel free to email me at mel at rundgrenradio.com and we'll get you on the list. I mean, it's not it's not rocket science. Uh, we're just trying to get a, a, you know, a general idea of how many people that that we'll need to ride the bus so we know what size buses to order, how many buses, um, can, so we can work out round trips and things like that. Uh, so that would be on June 1st and June 2nd in Rockford, Illinois. And why are we going to be in Rockford, Illinois, Doug? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, to see the Japanese gardens? Perhaps. But uh, I don't know if they're open at night. We got to do something at night. I think there's a Todd gig there. A mm, special Todd concert of some sort. What? Could yeah, it be? Todd Rundgren with the Rockford Symphony Orchestra. Yes, ma'am. And if you are on the fence about this, I don't know how you can be on the fence about this. I don't either. <laughs> you have got to go and and listen to some of the material that he did with the Dutch Metropole Orchestra last fall, and you will be sold. Yeah. Uh, and we've got some of that at uh, rungrenradio.com, do we not? We do. It's free. Yes. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yep. First and second, two shows, probably going to be the only shows of this set list anyway, which is fantastic set list because Todd is doing another one in Amsterdam. Say. Really? When's he doing that? That would be November the 11th of 2012. 11-11-12. Shell's birthday, actually. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Awesome. So he is going back with the Dutch Metropole in, um, in November. 
That that'll be exciting. Yeah, he said he wants to do some different songs. So who knows? I wonder what. Yeah, well, it's kind of up to them. I wonder what. I wonder what they'll pick. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody know any Dutch people so they could vote somehow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Todd. Well, it's got a apparently. You know, listening to Todd on the show last week, it really has to do with um, what works well with an orchestra. And that's how they pick some of those songs, obviously. So some things I'm sure don't work. Some do. I'd love to know how to figure that out. Mingo. I, know. I wouldn't. I never would have thought, you know, something like Fascist Christ would have been done. Yeah. Or, or even Onomatopoeia. Yep. And it looks like they tried to cover almost every album Todd did. So they could go back to the drawing board and do the same thing, you know, give us a different song from Runt and Ballad and all those individualist um was there one from Individualist, or was that was No Old Order? Um, liars, um, you know. I would like to see Temporary Sanity. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be funny. The Individualist, you could easily do that one with a couple players. <laughs> that would rock. No, I don't really know what would be good. I mean, I, um, I know Fade Away has been a popular request people would like to hear. It's never been done. I don't mm. think uh, Fair Warning, is that the one that hasn't been done um, from initiation that everybody talks about? Is that the one? Yes, I think it is. So, yeah, that'd be some good ones. Sanity. Oh, yeah, that really would be good. It will be a mystery until everyone goes on November the 11th and sees it. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see what we did tonight. We announced some Ethel tour dates, which are now posted in all kinds of places online. Pod and Ethel, I I should correct that. We've talked about Amsterdam. We've talked about bus rides and the gigs in uh, uh, I'm sorry, I almost screwed that up, Rockford, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't talked much about the party, but we're still kind of talk about being on the fence. We can't seem to come up with a, a decent theme. So it may end up just being a free for all kind of thing. Sure, that's what it ought to be. We got everybody theming the first night with dressing up. We still want everybody to do that if you if you don't mind. Um the first night of the, the actual Todd shows. Yep. That ain't you know, as fancy as you want to get, but some of the guys are wearing tuxedos. It's not mandatory. But I wanna know Jill says that Fair warning has been done. I don't think that I've ever uh, heard that live. Have you? Fair warning? No. I mean, I'm not saying that it hasn't been. She's going to have to prove it, Miss DJ. DJ Mingo, who will be our DJ at the party. We'll have DJ Mingo. We'll have cake. We'll have some really good appetizers. This place has some good stuff. Um, And, you know, we have some other entertainment ideas up our sleeve that we will surprise you with. Uh, by the way, um, DJ mentioned Chant. She can see that in Bearsville after camp. There will not be a concert in Bearsville after camp this year. So That's if you were expecting that, do not expect that. Not happening. So you will be able to go home on Friday when you get up in the morning and have breakfast with everybody. You can bolt on the airplane. Yep. I know there was a little rumor going around for a short while. That there was going to be a gig up there, but no, 
Yeah. Not happening. Yeah, you would think it would, but I guess something else something else came up maybe, I don't know. Um when is that camp cruiser mail? Gosh, what is it? July twenty third to the bleh, I don't know. Twenty seventh? That is I'm, correct. I'm, I am pulling this out of That's pretty good. That's very good. Was I right? Yes. Oh. Twenty seventh is that Friday. See, I pay attention sometimes. Domingo says it was announced at the Bearsville Theater site. This year? <laughs> oh, to, but she's. Uh, let's just go to that site. Make sure we're not telling a rumor here. Well, we got it from somebody who would know. You would think. You yep. would think. <laughs> I see. Um. What else do we have going on? There's um, Rockford. There's Ethel. Ringo Starr, of course, Todd's touring with him. You can go to RungunRadio.com and go to the Todd Tours page, and they'll give you a couple links there. We can go to EJ's site, Roger's site, and you can get updated on, you know, what's happening with Mr. Rungren and where all he's going. He's really got a busy, busy year, which is why we're pretty confident there won't be another orchestra show this year. It's possible, but it would... In the U.S. Yeah, odds are pretty much against it, i got to think. Um... Not that I don't want to see more. It's just you got to look at the schedule, and then you got to look at, you know, what all's going on and when, that kind of thing. Uh, are you going to need the Ringo shows, Cruiser Mel? I don't know. None of them are anywhere near me. I mean, seriously, it's they're not even within a day's drive. It's it's crazy. It's it's probably not going to happen for me. <clears throat> now these Ethel shows aren't close either, but they're in a couple of locations that I would like to be in. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah i got to look at that now that it's out and see what, what I might want to hit. Um, they're talking in the chat room about the Bearsville deal. Todd will be singing at camp. I mean, that's what they do, jam sessions and stuff. So, And that subject changed. I looked at their site, uh, Bearsville, and there's no nothing uh, showing up for that night that it would be anything that weekend. So I'm going to stick with what we said for now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and everything of, in God's world subject to change. Yeah, that's well, that's true. But we were told by somebody who would know, and he said there is not one. Yep. Robert Ro- Robert War was is in the chat room saying I could go to El Paso, like it's a two-hour drive. Honey, I don't know if you've ever made that drive. It's ten hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the opposite side of Texas. So, yeah. and if you've ever been there. <laughs> I don't want to ever go back, so not yeah. going to answer. So, Chris, I've already got an email. Somebody asked me if I know when the University of Maryland Ethel tickets are going to go on sale. Did you not expect to get that question? Well, I guess I should. I should know that by now. Um, <laughs> come on, folks. No, we don't know. Nobody knows. They don't know probably. But if you check their website, they'll announce it. I wouldn't panic. I don't think those shows are going to sell out. But uh, I know you want Front Row Center, so stay on top of it. But no, we don't get any scoop on when tickets going to sell. You, you know, we know we find out when you do pretty much. You just got to keep looking at the site. And um, of course, if it's our show, we can tell you exactly when tickets are going to go on sale. But um, we don't have any information on the Ethel shows. We tried to actually. We reached out to them about doing one, but it was too late. They'd already pretty much routed it and booked it, and didn't seem interested in adding another show, so we didn't do it. 
That would have been kind of fun, wouldn't it, Crazy Mouth? Uh, yeah, but I don't think it would be as fun as what we are doing. Not even close. But mm-hmm. still fun. It's always fun when we do a gig. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I'd love to play that Allison Krauss song, but I can't find it in my computer, and I don't know. I don't have it uploaded. So I'm kind of out of luck on that. And I really don't have anything exciting to play. Uh, okay, Mingo says that it was there. It was in their newsletter, but now it's not on their website. So, whatever. Who knows? All I know is we were told it ain't happening. Give them a call if you don't believe us. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's do a promo. Okay. Right back. Everybody, it's Julie from Lake Worth, Florida. I'm a huge Todd Rundgren fan and a huge fan of Rundgren Radio. Hello, this is Stephen Harlow Hawes, also known as EJ's Arm Candy. You should listen to Rungan Radio. It'll make you a damn sight smarter. Why all of a sudden 
the band is wearing different outfits. <laughs> they, yeah, there's true. no, you know, right. written explanation about that or anything. So yeah. if you weren't there, you you might be a little confused. Yeah, I think they may do Sons of 1984 on this healing DVD as well. But it's going to be funny because you're never going to see that blue coat on that DVD. And really it's um, it, it's the, the Schmore Entertainment Company's issue because they were given photos of uh, both shows, and they just picked that one for whatever reason. You know, hmm. a part of it is – and, you know, it's not the end of the world. No big deal. As long as we get the DVD, I don't care if the cover's uh, how catch them. But you would just think that a company that was going to take the time and spend the money to do something like this would just spend a little extra effort to get it right. Yeah, just seriously. Get it right. You know? That it would have cost any more. No. You know, know something about what you're putting out there. Um, but anyway, this, they're, they're aligned somehow, this company, with – the one that did um, the box set, for lack of honest work. And there's a new CD they have out, the Hammersmith show from 1975, I believe it was, Todd Runger's Utopia. And if you haven't heard it, it's been remixed um, very well and remastered, excuse me, remixed, whatever you want to call it. And The Last Ride will just blow you away if you haven't heard it. It is wonderful. Very nice job. And The Wheel, which we played on the show many times, uh, the version with Luther Vandross is one of the background singers. is very cool. The whole thing's cool, but that last ride is just phenomenal. And it's there's been a bootleg of it floating around for a long time, but I don't believe that bootleg had could not just tell you and do you on it. And this CD does, but it's well worth the money. You can get it for you know I think under ten bucks maybe. Uh, DeepDiscount.com, Amazon.com. I'm not sure if the Todd Store has or not. They might. And I hope that they get us some for the Rockford shows, but I wouldn't count on that. I'd just go ahead and order it online. Um, don't want to get into that conversation either. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's something cool that you guys might want to know about if you don't know or wanted to be reminded about. You can get those. And uh, A-Watch Todd talked about last week, the Wizard of True Star DVD still being worked on. And I do think they uh, – do plan to have that out. It's just taking a lot of time. There's just some serious issues with different things, and they're going to find a way to fix it. Uh, well, Domingo's asking a question about new T-shirts for the Rockford show. Oh, um, would we have, like, gig-specific shows, shirts for that show? Yes, but that's not, you know, we're not doing any, if that's what you're asking. Um, no, but I sure would buy one. Yeah, we probably should mention it to Danny. I mean, we've got a, we've got a good crowd coming to those shows. I mean, um, you know, we need more people there. We want more people there because we have a very large venue. But at the end of the day, we do have uh, we're going to have good crowds for both shows, uh, especially for a merch counter, and definitely more than the city winery had. And they had their own T-shirts, which I love. I bought some of those, by the way. If you haven't seen them, you can get them at ToddStore.com. They're really good, long sleeve. There's a brown one, like chocolate brown, and a, a maroon shirt. They're really nice. Um, you can also get a sticker to put on a wine bottle if you want that they made. It's not the same one they had at the show, but it's still pretty cool. I'll put it on a white bottle of wine. It looks kind of fun. I've still got yours. Don't worry. I'm bringing it to Rockford. Yeah, so if you're listening to the show or the archive, why don't everybody go to the Todd Store Facebook page and put on there, please make a special edition Rockford concert T-shirt for the orchestra shows. 
Yeah. And we can send them the RSO logo or anything else they might want for the shirt. And uh, Magic Dragon, do we know who that is? I'm Susan sure we do, but I don't remember. I think it's Susan St. James. Hey, Am Susan. I wrong? No, neither show is sold out. I don't suspect that we'll have a show sold out. It's it's a tall order, especially with two shows back-to-back and, um, you know, a city where you can't fly into and competition from Cheap Trick and other factors. But we're still going to have a good crowd, I think, at the end of the day. And you never know. I guess it technically could sell. We're, we're told all the time that Rockford people wait in the last minute, and that's what we're on now. We're waiting on the Rockford people. We've got the travelers, most of them. We still have some more we need to get on to uh, you know, jump over the fence and come on over. But uh, we were even told you know, that um, some shows over there have doubled in attendance. You know, the, the tickets they had sold up until the week of the show would double. So it's very possible if we did that, we could sell out a show. For the Saturday night one, but, um, we're going to be okay on this. We're just glad that we're doing them, regardless of the uh, whether they sell out or not. It's going to be special. And it's history. Be... Yep, I don't think they're going to VOD them. We haven't heard zero about that. So if you're waiting on that, you're out of luck. Maybe we'll have to put one of those fan videos together, like they did from Amsterdam. Yeah. Everybody's iPhones and whatnot. I don't know. I I, I would love to have. A permanent record of this high quality video action, but nothing's in the works that we know of. So, well, it's kind of a shame. I hope I hope they do come up with something. Well, if they don't, we'll get to see it and we'll have it ingrained in our brains forever. Right, right. All right, let's take another break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Ted Moon from Perrysburg, Ohio. Mel and Doug cried wolf. I saw the light, so I listened to Rungan Radio so I can practice my love in action all day long. This is Teresa Shirley Tedrick from Marysville, Washington. I've been a Todd fan since I was born and love listening to Rundgren Radio every Tuesday. Listen to it religiously. It's almost like church for me. And if you're not joining, then you're definitely missing out. If you know how to catch a mouse, the world will be the pathway to Cruiser Mel, let's uh, wrap up some announcements and call it a day. We won't bore everybody all night, but before we do that, let's say the most important thing. If you are going to the Rockford shows, uh, please do what you need to do as far as getting your party ticket and let us know if you want to take the bus. All that stuff makes a big difference in how we plan things and what we get to do. 
we got great plans. It's going to be a blast the whole weekend. But, and um, cake. Cake, of course. We don't want to get a cake for 50 people if we're going to end up having 100, you know, that kind of thing. Of course, we got a lot more than that. But um, we'd like to kind of get as close as we can to accurate numbers so we know if we want to get one or two buses. You know the, you know the drill. Uh-huh. Even if you can't buy your party ticket right now for some reason, just let us know you're going so we can just have a good tally. It really does make a big difference. And, you know, laminates, we got those kind of things going on. As a matter of fact, Chris, I need to email them about what we want to put on the back. So mm-hmm. remind me, please. I will. All right, so let's run down the line here in case you uh, didn't read our newsletter or just want to hear us chat. Rungren Radio and the number two. RungrenRadio2.com will take you to our new website for Storefront where we have Rungren Radio merchandise, which has been pretty popular from what I can tell, which I'm excited about. It's kind of fun. They've got all kind of stuff on there, and they got models wearing it. It's very funny. And all of the profits go to Todd and Michelle. We don't even see any of it um, via the Todd store. So it's not about us making money. It's just about us uh, having y'all pimp us on your bodies. Wear those shirts to Todd shows. The second Rockford show. We would love to see them at the second Rockford show after you wear your fine long dress or T-link dress. Whatever EJ told me, they they wear it formals, and our men wear tuxes or suits or nice shirts or tuxedo T-shirts, all that <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> I was wondering how you knew about T-links, so um, yeah, she was I'm glad you explained that. Oh, yeah, I got the call from EJ today. We discussed clothing. Um, Todd added some gigs, in case you haven't seen it, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, Chicago, he's near Chicago and Evanston. Those two shows are sold out. Cleveland is not. It's a big big room um outdoor nautica jacobs uh that is uh, right before when is that cruising us the week before mm-hmm. or the rockford shows weekend yes. uh, friday or saturday i believe uh, again you can get that information at com on the todd tours page <coughs> excuse me we'll be updating that too with the apple shows soon uh, thank you, EJ. She'll be doing that anyway for us, our webmaster. You can get scoop from us, too, on Twitter. We need to tell MJ to tweet the Ethel dates if she's not listening tonight. Um, what else do we have? Uh, we talked about the bootleg in the DVD. And the, um, Todd, if you haven't seen these videos, Todd talks about the camp that we've discussed tonight. He talks about Laura Nero, American Bandstand, um, Levon Helm. It's all on rollingstone.com. Just go on there and search Todd Rundgren, and you can see these really cool videos. Um, Todd is doing Twitter as well. Michelle's doing it, actually, and she's put pictures of Todd up. I don't know if it's been active lately, but when Todd was on tour, they were doing a lot of stuff, so that's fun. Um, Todd, if you haven't heard, Chasm Sultan just had a sold-out show with D.D. Miles and the Grindles. <laughs> we discussed that last week on the show. And uh, Kasman's going to be touring as a bass player for Blue Oyster Colt. So that's coming up. You can find that on Blue Oyster Colt's information. You can get the tour dates anyway. That'll be a lot of fun um, if you're not making the Ringo shows or if you want to do both. See Kasman one day and Todd the next on different bands. How crazy is that? And if you've had your head in the sand for more than a week, we had Todd Rundgren on this here show yep. a week ago. Mm-hmm. Well, on Wednesday. So go back in the archives and listen to it. Uh, pretty good interview, if I do say so myself. And uh, get the latest and greatest from him. 
Yeah, we had some callers that night, too. One of them asked Todd about who chose the songs for the Ringo show, and Todd admitted that Ringo pretty much had to say on that. I guess if a Beatle tells you something, you just do it. You know, He does take requests from Beatles. Um, it's going to be, I think you said, Hello, It's Me, I Saw the Light, and Bang the Drum, all the hits. Yeah. So hopefully those people in Wisconsin are still mad about that festival where they didn't get to hear their Green Bay Packers song. We'll get to hear it this time if they go to the Ringo show. Bang the drum. Are you going to go to any of the Ringo shows? Aren't they going to be near you, like in Atlanta? There are several near me. Atlanta, Nashville, Orange Beach in Alabama, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Wow. Of course, where the storms hit, the uh, major devastation for tornadoes there. It was the one-year anniversary last week or so um, on that deal. It really did some damage, but uh, it'll be at this really nice new amphitheater, Tuscaloosa Amphitheater over there. And I do have some very good seats for that show. That's the one I know I'm going to. Go check that out. Maybe I'll hit the other ones, too. just depends on what's going on. Because we got lots going on, Cruising Mail, with our other concert business. Onward Promotions. Go to Onward. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, we... <laughs> <laughs> we're all over the place with music genres. OnwardPromotions.com. Check it out. we got heavy metal this year. we got... What else do we got? 80s. Oh, Lost 80s. We got New Wave. We just added a skate club. You remember that song, Wild Wild West? Yeah. They're going to be coming to Sacramento and Visalia for us. A lot of fun stuff. All that gives us more experience. We learn more and find more venues. that Maybe we can bring Todd to those later for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Um... If anybody out there, Dave Knife said he would help me, but if anybody out there wants to make a promotional YouTube for us about the Rockford shows, get after it. Y'all need our permission. I was going to try to take something from the show last week, but I have not been able to find anything that really uh, hits the spot. So I'm thinking I just need to do a song, one of the songs maybe for the Metropole show, and a couple slides that talk about it, you know, just a little promotion there. Uh, yeah, so let's put on YouTube. What's that? To put, to put the audio on YouTube. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then put some, you know, like some slides or what, a PowerPoint with the information about Rockford. Anyway, folks, that's a wrap. I guess we don't have anything else to talk about, and we don't have any more music uploaded for you because this was kind of a last-minute deal. We just end up having an open night. We know you like Tuesday nights, and we wanted to uh, play this very classic and epic interview that Pete did with Todd Rundgren. And uh good. So good. So good. So we'll play let's see here. We'll do uh we'll do another promo and then we're gonna call it a night. Okay. All right, Chris Mel, we'll see you next time. Okay. We don't know when we'll do another show, but we'll try to give you a lot more notice next time. Shine on, y'all. Hi, this is Kathleen Foster from Oxnard, California. Listening to Rundgren Radio, Love and Todd.
everybody. This is Todd Rundgren, and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com. You are the crest of the crown, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much for your support. 